0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of All Things Policy. I'm Maithan Kani and I work as an assistant program manager at the Dakshila Institution. And today we have Dr. Harshit Kukreja joining us for this episode. And in this episode, we'll be talking about what exactly is medical pluralism, the needs for it, how the pandemic has highlighted probably the need of medical pluralism, not only in India, but across the world. But apart from that, we'll also be talking about how, due to lack of evidence and research, the pluralistic approach of medicine is actually being more harmful than good and it's causing some consequences that it shouldn't. But before we begin and before we dive into the topic, I'd like to bring to your attention that the applications for Dakshishila's one-year postgraduate program in public policy and the three-month graduate certificate in public policy program are now open. We do offer specializations in defense and foreign affairs, tech and policy and advanced public policy. So make sure to check out our website for more details about the programs and other important dates. Hi, Arshit. How are you?
1: Hi, Mehak. Thanks for having me. I'm well. How are you?
0: I'm actually good. And thanks for joining for this episode today with me. I know it's been a while that we have recorded an episode together Before talking about what's been the scenario of medical pluralism in India, let's talk about what exactly is medical pluralism. But as the name suggests, I know a lot of people would have figured out it's a pluralistic approach to medicine, a pluralistic approach to biomedicine. So I'll just probably give a brief intro of what medical pluralism exactly is. And if I miss out on something, please just add upon or just cut me wherever you feel like. So basically, medical pluralism in actual definition is the employment of more than one kind of medical systems or the use of both conventional and complementary and alternative medicine systems for both health and wellness and well-being. The term was first introduced sometime in the mid-1970s when the people resorted to various options for healthcare apart from the government healthcare system, and we know the government healthcare system in nineteen seventies across most developed nations was predominantly based on the biomedicine. And by the nineteen nineties, this complementary and alternative medicine was included within the state health administrations of the West, and the medical pluralism had become state sponsored. So I know medical pluralism. If we talk about it, is a it's a very new term, like people haven't really heard of it, it's a modern phenomenon. But we also have to realize that it's no longer just confined to deprived societies. For example, if you think of traditional sources of medicine, it's most likely we think about it's been used in like most underdeveloped or developing nations. But I know in India, we do have a lot of traditional health systems with both codified and non-codified. But across in several developed nations also, we know that there has been this growing majority of people using Ayurveda or other sources of traditional sources of medicine. So if we have to talk about, Harshit, a brief idea of different kinds of traditional medicines in India, how would you want to describe them? How would you want to probably
1: differentiate it? So, Mehik, I think I disagree with you on your sort of like definitions. In Toto, in actual, there's only one basic system of medicine that is like evidence-based medicine.
0: I agree with, that's why I mentioned that there is a lack of evidence and the research and other sources of medicine, but I'm just defining how the world in general defines pluralistic approach of medicine. It's both biomedicines which we know has been extensively researched it's it's backed up with several surveys several evidence and we have enough data on that but there are also these sources of medicine or treatments that people have been using for centuries so that's how people define using a treatment for any kind of illness or just probably just well-being it's defined as medical approach pluralistic approach which both includes the biomedicine and the other sources of medicine
1: Mehik, so to bring more clarity to the conversation, could you? You are referring to biomedicine to sort of an equivalent and synonymous to what we call as modern evidence based medicine. Right? So,
0: no, I'm not exactly sure if it's if because you will have a better idea of how medicines function, but what I am defining it as two kinds of sources of medicine which are probably backed with evidence and some which are not enough backed with evidence one is these traditional sources of medicine which can be codified not non-codified which can be documented non-documented which are now being used or not being used but we know they existed or they exist and this kind of medicine which has been tested which has been proven over decades it has been backed up with extensive research and data and which we know actually works and now most government healthcare systems across the world are using it for like over a century now that's how I define the two
1: categories. So, biomedicine, when you what a conventional mm-hmm. definition is, basically a branch of medicine in which you apply in total biological and physiological principles through clinical practice. So, you use standardized sort of like treatment which you know works on a molecular level. Then you go to the macro level, then you do tissue level studies, then you shift to an animal level studies. And then human trials, and then you introduce them into clinical practice, so this was just a sort of helper explanation to bring clarity to our listeners so that there is no confusion with the definition and different vocabulary that we tend to use
0: so like if you have to name a few kinds of traditional forms of medicine, I know a few like I know there is Ayurveda, I know there is Yunani, I know there is homeopathy so do you know some other kinds of traditional medicines that India or probably South Asian countries that have been using for the larger part of their existence?
1: So yeah, except I think all you mentioned. So I'll do a recap. Ayurveda is basically the system, alternative medicine system, which is established in, unused in India, Nepal, and a lot of countries around us and has been in the Veda sort of, the background is the Hindu system of medicine. Unani is the traditional form of medicine, and this is backed by sort of like it is the Arabic traditional medicine, and is practiced in on and off in the Muslim culture in South Asia and some parts of Central Asia. Siddha has its origin in the southern part of India and is also one of the ancient sort of like alternative medical system. And homeopathy has its origin in Germany. So now it is not used in Germany a lot, it is very popular in India. So this is basically the acronym, the Ministry of Ayush is the basically the acronym is Ayush. A is for Ayurveda, Y is for Yoga, U is for Unani, S is for Siddha, and H is for homopathy
0: Yeah, you're correct. Like I know like the, it was a department for traditional medicine, which was now converted into later converted in 2014 into a Ministry of Ayush. Actually, that reminds me of an important point which I wanted to discuss later but let me just bring it here since we're talking about Ministry of Ayush. I have the first question that I have is that for the longest time in Indian if in the Indian context we know that medical pluralism has been spoken about as far as if we go back to probably 1950s there was the committee probably the health and survey planning committee which was set up probably at the end of second five-year plan in 1959 to probably survey the progress that India has made across health services and with the recommendations for future development and expansion of health services and the committee somehow supported the need of different approaches towards medicine and also promoted Ayurveda and Homoeopathy at that point in time. Before that also we also did have like Sokhi committee which also emphasized the need for giving a degree qualification to students already qualified in Ayurveda and then we know there have been the assertion of across national health services that it should be based on both modern medicine and different traditional medicine and in 1983 we know that homeopathy was further recognized but in the current context if we know I think you'll also agree since you have also practiced medicine for a while we know that the importance that it's given to probably a modern medicine doctor who practices modern medicine the same kind of treatment in terms of both remunerations or in terms of both respect is not given to an Ayush doctor and we know that there is a problem of how one is recognized and how the other is recognized. I know like for the past what eight years now that there have been several steps taken in the direction that the ministry has been developed, the ministry is promoting. And we'll talk about the what ministry has been doing for the past few years after this, but like, do you agree about the fact that first there is a differentiation, there is a distinction about how the two kinds of forms of medicine are looked upon in this country. And second, do you think it's a problem? If yes, then what should we do? And if no, then why do you think a large section of society continues to have a problem with it and they actually want to go opposite to it and probably promote different kinds of medicine?
1: Yeah, so first, let me make a very clear point. All these alternative systems of medicine, the principles which they are based on and the sort of the Standards and the practices that they have today, this is all based on pseudoscience. So, this is, these are not sound principles. So, there is obviously some distinction between how practitioners of these alternative systems of medicine are viewed and how practitioners of modern medicine are viewed. I don't think that is a problem that should be looked upon. Not the main issue is that there is no evidence backing these systems. So, if you look at a lot of successful interventions in the so called we call it modern, I think, because there is a lot of distinction, people's perception between that modern and traditional. But coming back to my point, so if you look at a lot of successful medicines, they were derived from what we say are traditional sort of drugs. So if you look at, there's a very famous drug which is now used all over the world in Africa, in India, it's called artemisin. It was developed by a, from Chinese traditional medicine. By a doctor who won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for the same. So, if you take and substantiate the previously used drugs and previously used any substance which is used, and you are able to back that with evidence. So, the thing is, for instance, there are like 100 sort of compounds in the traditional system, and they have undergone a lot of trial and error in the last few hundred thousand years, whatever. So, some of them are really good but don't know how they work. What is their efficacy? What is their adverse effects profile? What is their effectiveness? What is, where can they be used? What would be the cost? And the Ayurvedic drugs, for instance, the Ayurvedic drugs which are provided now, there were a lot of substances in that. What we want is that only the main compound, which has the effect on the body, should be given in a purified form. That is what sort of like modern medicine is.
0: So let me get this point straight, Harshit. I'm actually confused with your opinion on any form of alternative source of medicine. Are you saying we should completely do away with them? Or are you saying that we should probably spend more resources, more effort into researching about them and then probably making them available for a larger public? Because we know that anything, that anything that we use on a daily basis, if not taken in appropriate quantity, will have a problem. So, But like, just let me know before we take the break that are you saying that the problem is of not doing away with it or the problem is not having enough backing and research for it?
1: So, no, 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 no. Though I don't want to do away with it because, first of all, you have to take care of the ground reality. If you work in this field, if you read about policies and if you read about society and culture in general, you have to understand there's a desired level which we want to reach and there's the actual level. So there's a difference. What we want is we should have incremental progress. And what I suggest is that we should spend more resources, more research should be done on these traditional systems because. A lot of these things, they work to a certain extent for a certain diseases with a certain adverse effect profile. So more research, not doing, first of doing, like you cannot ban any of the systems in this country right now
0: so yeah so we'll pause for a break now but like after the break we'll talk about how the pandemic and actually in pandemic there was a sudden growth of use of alternate sources of medicine right like people were using homemade medicines people were promoting there was a series of and there was a lot of misinformation about it so we'll talk about that after this break and we'll pause now and then listeners we'll see you right after the break Hi listeners, welcome back to this episode. Today, for this episode, we have Dr. Harshit Kukreja and Harshit and I are in this conversation about probably the sudden increase of pluralistic approach of medicines across the world, what's been happening across the world and in India especially, and like if there is a problem related to it and probably how we can solve them to protect the health for larger citizens. Okay, so Harshit, you know pandemics change lives for everyone right in 2020 there was this sudden lockdown people didn't have hospitals people didn't have anywhere to go to we know there was a shot we know that we have to accept at one point that health systems not only in india health infrastructure across the world did fail and because there was this overwhelming pressure and there wasn't enough facilities for people to be taken care of and um We know at the same time, we did see that pluralistic form of medicine gained this new and unique, somehow contextual importance. People who weren't even looking at it before started to take a look at alternative sources of medicine. And we know that a large shift of this explanation of this can be given to how Ministry of Ayush has been massively promoting the use of alternative sources of medicine at home. People did try Ayurveda, people were trying Gyudani, Siddha, and, and they have actually claimed to be effective in managing their own systems. We know that a lot of people did say, oh, you should use Giloy, you should use Ashwagandha probably to boost your immunity. And we know several other big companies also stepped in and they started selling all of these products. They, of course, commercialized it later and uh, so we know that in pandemic it it did gain a certain kind of new approach and uh, people also said that using alternative sources of medicine combined with the modern medicine people were achieving a health which was was not only physical well-being but they were also mentally and socially achieving that well-being state of well-being and it wasn't just the absence of diseases from them but we also know that something else happened during the pandemic. We know, and I want you to elaborate more on that, there have been cases of coronal. There have been cases of drug-induced liver injuries because of colloid. So we know that something really went wrong. And we know that it didn't come into mass. Like it wasn't publicized by mass media. So a lot of people didn't know. So taking that as an approach that we know in the pandemic, a lot of people were using it and it was helping them to this sudden shift where it was used to a certain level without research that it started causing consequences which we didn't need in the first place.
1: Yeah, so a very there's a very nice story about Gilay. So there's a hepatologist, a hepatologist, a sort of like liver specialist down in Kochi, Dr. Abby Phillips. And he put a very nice paper which said that Because of the reckless intake of Giloy during the pandemic, he was seeing a lot of cases of liver injury. Then the Ministry of IUs sent him a notice that you are doing this to defame, I think I'm paraphrasing, but he said you are doing this to defame traditional medicine. And even though when he showed evidence, so this is the approach that the government or the new ministry is taking. Instead of sort of doing more research into these traditional systems and sort of at least making sure that there is no harm associated with them. They are going the other way. So in the pandemic, a lot of there is one caveat. So there was a lot of increase in traditional systems, use of traditional systems in urban sort of up middle class and upper middle class, the elites in the urban elites. And there's a selection bias in this because we live in that society. Juru's India and the poorer section are always using this. And there was an increase in them also. But we also saw that increase. And because of this, and the worst thing is they claim that any medicine that is part of sort of any traditional system has no side effects. It has no adverse effect profiles. If you look at the very famous case of coronel, also, so one particular baba in uh, sitting up north claimed that this was the cure for COVID. And he said that this is WHO approved. So That is
0: actually a very good point that you have raised, Harshit, because a lot of people consider that if you're using these Ayurveda, homeopathy Yunani, Siddha, they don't have any kind of side effects. And like now that you're saying it, I realized that across the years, everybody's told me that, that, oh, I'm assuming, of course, excess of any kind of medicine is harmful for you. But like, people just claim that, oh, if you use this, Ayurveda, it won't have any problem. If you use homeopathy, it will cure you later, but it probably will have no side effects in the longer run. So we also know that there is an angle of misinformation here. Sorry to cut you off, you can continue with your Giloy story.
1: Yeah, yeah no. nice point. So all these traditional practitioners or the traditional manufacturers, they claim that, these traditional systems or traditional drugs have no side effects, and that is the worst thing about this practice. So even in the Giloy story, they kept harassing that particular doctor, and now he he runs sort of campaign against disinformation, He's trying to put out more evidence and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But you have to see this approach that the government is taking, even when Corona was launched on the same days. We had prominent members of the health ministry supporting this, even though this is in middle of a pandemic and the ministry of IUS was also coming up with recommendations which said that you take X, Y, Z and you take this and you take this, this this is an immunity booster they were giving out kids, which were basically useless. So there are two ways in which research in IUS can go. One way is the China way in which you get a very successful compound and you also get a Nobel Prize. And one way is what the GOI is currently doing. So one more thing, in I think 2014, they had a new drug for diabetes called BGR34. CSIR launched this Ayurvedic anti-diabetic drug and they advertised it as a medical drug with no adverse effect. And that claim, they did not provide any data to back that claim. They did not give any good evidence to back it And they were still sort of like promoting it very heavily.
0: So you're right. And I want to come back to the point of Coronel. I remember they said that we did research on these many people and only like 15 to 18% of them were women. So we know that the sample size wasn't correct. We know they didn't test it on the number of people they should have tested. It didn't test on like varied types of people. So we know that there has been a problem of research. And of course, they ultimately lied about it. So no bigger crime than that. They were selling medicines. And I do remember, actually, that at one point, I think it was drug controller of India. And they tried to do something. But ultimately, nothing happened. Coronal kids were being probably sold and being but, but, okay, we have to accept uh, one fact that India currently is actually sitting on a gold mine of this massive information. We know that we have information, we just haven't tested them enough. So we know that we have these alternative sources of medicine. Also to bring that to the point, India also has a large attraction for medical tourism. So do you think that if we probably try it better, Probably back it with the more back it up with more research and evidence, and we have these so many opportunities to explore which we haven't. Do you think that our healing traditions can help India be the leader in the idea of medical pluralism?
1: Yeah. So anything backed by evidence and research, you can promote that, and that will be accepted widely. For instance, if you look at the case of turmeric and neem, so turmeric and neem have certain effects for which they were tried to be patented in the US and EU respectively and India had to go and challenge that patent to get it cancelled. I think we got the turmeric one cancelled. I'm not exactly sure but uh, I don't think we got the neem one back. So we have this sort of like goldmine of information which I told you. you So there are like 100 substances and they have been tried and tested and they somehow work in some cases. Obviously there is no understanding of the mechanism, but we still have that narrowed down compound from which we can choose and if we put the right money and the right resources with the right attitude, I think we can have certain good good effects come out of this and maybe we can have any mainstreaming of these alternative systems of medicine, but they should be backed by evidence.
0: So, Harshin, now that you're talking about research, it's actually, I'm not exactly sure where I read it, but like people who advocate for pluralistic forms of medicine, they talk about this of whole systems approach you know how we say that probably randomized controlled trials have the highest status in biomedical research but they say that we'll do research but RCTs might not be the best way to do it they might not be the gold standard for doing for other forms of medicine and they say like probably observational studies factorial designs preference trials all of these systems uh, sh- should also be used for testing the treatments for traditional research. And they are more suitable for evaluating the outcomes of a traditional resources of medicines because they are cheaper, they have higher external validity, and they're probably better equipped to accommodate the medical logics and therapeutical goals of traditional resources of medicine. So what do you have to say about this idea of moving from one kind of evidence to probably the need of whole system research do you think we should apart from rcts we should also think about some other kinds of research methods
1: so on whichever sort of like treatment or drug you see the holistic or whole systems or whole body you should throw it out it doesn't work and rcts are used everywhere rcts are basically the highest standard of evidence so jpal the sort of the think tank society which runs which successfully ran the first rcts on rural population they did some i think cash transfers and they saw the economic outcomes after that so rct is the gold standard in evidence anywhere in science and uh, traditional systems do not get a special pass at This maybe these advocates, they advocate for this because they understand that a lot of these evidences will not be able to pass the standard set by RCTs. And you also have to understand even in COVID, when we started with ivermectin and we started with different medicines, even in modern medicines, a lot of medicines are tried, approved and then thrown out. So that happens a lot. So that is why it is called evidence-based medicine because evidence keeps on changing you get better evidence, better data then you move on.
0: So like whatever my understanding so far about medical pluralism has with in comparison to alternative sources of medicine has been like there are three three ways how you look at it. First is you completely oppose them. Like you probably say we have to do away with any kind of traditional sources of medicine because we don't have that kind of resources time energy to spend and we'll continue to deal with biomedicine. Second is integrating them. You probably try to integrate whatever learnings we have from traditional medicines. We try and test them and we try to probably integrate them with whatever we have and whatever we practice today. And the third is this pluralistic approach. So if I know I have asked you about the opposition one and you have said that we shouldn't completely do away with them. If you have to choose between integration and pluralism in medicine, what kind of approach would you want India to
1: follow? So taking ground realities into question and also taking into question the merit of the large amount of compounds that are present in these traditional systems, integration is the best way because first of all, you cannot wish these other systems of trying to get better away. You cannot wish these other alternative systems away. You have to bring them into the evidence fold. So you pick and see what works and throw away the rest.
0: So now I think we have a fair idea that we want India to do is probably encourage, cooperate and probably research and have a very honest open cooperation between different sources of medicine. And we have to agree that, that there will be times that medicines will fail, the tests will fail. But in just fear of that, we shouldn't not do the tests or we shouldn't do tests, which we know uh, will be passed by these alternative sources of medicine. Right. Yeah, yeah
1: I completely agree with you. You shouldn't just because you think that maybe this compound will, maybe Giloy will not pass the RCT, not do the RCT. So I think this has been the government's current approach because if you look at the new draft of the Drug, Cosmetic and Medical Devices Act, the bill they put out, they had very different standards for the traditional systems of medicine. Modern medicine is supposed to go through a lot of evidence. The traditional systems were not. They said, oh, so is it mentioned in the sort of the book which says that this works for this. So then it is all right. Then you can prescribe it and sell it.
0: Yeah. So I think the idea that it is that probably just, have enough evidence and back them up and then probably and there is no harm in them promoting them and selling it to larger audience both India and worldwide once we have enough evidence for it. So Harshit, thank you so much for joining us for the episode today. It was an interesting conversation especially about your point how we promote that any kind of alternative source of medicine there will be no side effects to it. So I think we haven't really thought about it. We And it's also very sad and strange that the large mainstream media doesn't talk about it. I wasn't aware about Gil- Loy before I spoke to you about it I wasn't aware about the diabetes drug so I know like we we don't really talk about it and I think we should but thank you so much for joining for this episode thank you Mahek thank you so much for having me yeah and to all our listeners please keep listening to all things policy we'll be back with another episode tomorrow on another topic of policy importance
1: if you liked our show